Good morning, good morning, Life Point. How are you? If you feel good, say yeah. yeah. If you feel really, really good, say oh yeah. Oh, yeah. All right, this is, this is my service. I can already feel it. We're about, we about to party in this place. Some of y'all were worshiping like I worship, which is a little bit of jumping, and if somebody let you, you were about to run around the whole church. Am I in the right, sir? All right, okay. Hey, my name is CV. I'm honored to be with you today. I bring you greetings from the glorious city of Denver, home of the... Too soon? Too soon. My name is CV. I'm here with my wife, Chanel. She's the best part of us. Would you help me thank God? We pastor a church in the heart of uh, downtown Denver called Beacon. Uh, we're a church that is built with broken pieces, a church that is multicultural, multigenerational, full of doctors and lawyers and drug dealers and gang members and all of the people that are going to heaven regardless of what the world tells you about them. Amen. And, uh, and, and it looks like, y'all, well, this is, I don't know if you know this, but this is what heaven looks like. It's not going to be a white heaven. There ain't a brown heaven. It's all in one. And so I just feel like I'm already at home, and I had an awesome, awesome opportunity to spend the evening last night with Pastor Rich and Pastor Janet and their daughter, Grace. And I just want to thank God for you. We honor you. Love what you're building. Love what God is doing through your life. And, and, uh, and y'all have, have a good team here. Did you know that? I mean, you got good pastors. You got Pastor Rich, who's all heart. He loves you. Amen. He, he'll show you the love of Jesus. You got Pastor Janet, who's dedicated to helping you understand the word and trust the Bible and know God through his scriptures. It's, it's, it's word and spirit. It's, it's love and truth. I mean, it's, it's the dynamic duo. I don't know if y'all know that, right? It's phenomenal. And then they invited me, and I, I just yell a lot, so I don't know what. I'm, it's going to be an interesting morning. Amen. Do you have your Bibles? I understand we're studying the book of Acts. Is that correct? Hey, do you have a paper Bible? Put your paper Bible up. Let me see it. Okay, all right. Take note. These are the people who are actually going to heaven. Come on, somebody. This is, these are they, the called out ones. We're in Acts. I'm going to pick up right where you kind of left off over the last couple of weeks. We're in Acts chapter 21, verse 37. I'm going to read for you a good chunk of scripture today. We have 30 minutes in which to do it. So I'm going to hustle and let the Lord take over as soon as I can get out of the way. Acts chapter 21, we're going to pick up in verse 37, and I'm going to read about 22 verses in the next chapter as well. Acts 21, 37, it reads like this. As Paul was about to be brought into the barracks, he said to the tribune, may I say something to you? And the tribune said, do you know Greek? Are you not the Egyptian then who recently stirred up a revolt and led the 4,000 men of the assassins out into the wilderness? Paul replied, no, I'm, I'm a Jew. I'm from Tarsus in Cilicia, a citizen of no obscure city. I beg you, permit me, permit me to speak to the people. And when he had given him permission, Paul, standing on the steps, motioned with his hand to the people. And when there was a great hush, he addressed them in the Hebrew language, saying, Brothers and fathers, hear the defense that I now make before you. And when they heard that he was addressing them in the Hebrew language, they became even more quiet. And he said, I am a Jew born in Tarsus in Cilicia, but brought up in this city, educated at the feet of Gamaliel, according to the strict manner of the law of our fathers, being zealous for God as all of you are this day. I persecuted this way to the death, binding and delivering to prison both men and women, as the high priest and the whole council of elders can bear me witness. 
From them I received letters to the brothers, and I journeyed toward Damascus to take those who were also were there and bring them in bonds to Jerusalem to be punished. As I was on my way and drawn near to Damascus about noon, a great light from heaven suddenly shone around me, and I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And I answered, who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you persecute. Now, those who were with me saw the light, but did not understand the voice of the one who was speaking to me. And I said, Lord, what shall I do? And the Lord said to me, rise and go into Damascus, and there you will be told all that is appointed for you to do. And since I could not see because of the brightness of the light, I was led by the hand by those who were with me, and I came into Damascus. And one Ananias, a devout man according to the law, well spoken of by all the Jews who lived there, came to me. And standing by me, said to me, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that very hour, I received my sight, and I saw him. And he said, The God of our fathers has appointed you to know his will, to see the righteous one, and to hear a voice from his mouth. For you will be a witness for him to everyone of what you have seen and what you have heard. So why do you wait? Rise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. Flash forward 20 years, when I had returned to Jerusalem and was praying in the temple, I fell into a trance and I saw him saying, make haste and get out of Jerusalem quickly because they will not accept your testimony about me. And I said, Lord, they themselves know that in one synagogue after another, I imprisoned and beat those who believed in you. In fact, when the blood of Stephen, your witness was being shelled, it was I who stood by and approved and watched over the garments of those who killed him. And Jesus still said to me, go, for I will send you far away to the Gentiles. The title of our message today is Stand and Deliver. Stand and Deliver. Stand on the foundation of the word of Jesus Christ and deliver the testimony of your life to lead other people to him. If you tune me out for the next 30 minutes and leave with nothing, leave with this. You, who? You, yes, you are called at some point, maybe even today, to stand firm and speak the word of the Lord. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we love you. And God, I submit to you in this moment today. Use my mind, my words, and our time to glorify Jesus, your son. Holy Spirit, we yield to you completely. Have your way in this place. And all that agreed said amen, amen. It's very hot in Miami. (laughs) And you guys sure do know how to use an air conditioner. That's not in my notes, but I just wanted you to know that. Thanks so much. It's very warm here, and I'm so grateful to be here. Uh, And I'm excited to be in a room full of people who love the Lord. It is always my distinct pleasure to be around believers. It wasn't always that way for me. I don't know if I have any real people in the room, but most of my life was surrounded by non-believers, which is a polite way of saying dirtbags. Do I have any people who are friends with other dirtbags? I was a bad guy my whole life and mostly surrounded myself with other bad people. And, And now I'm blissfully in a season where like, I love Christians. I like to be around them. Even cranky Christians. Come on, somebody. Even... Even the frozen chosen, I like them all. 
And I like to be in a room full of believers because I, I, I like to push us as believers. I have a specific anointing on my life, and that's to preach a hard word. God has uniquely made me into the kind of man who preaches hard words. And I'm uniquely anointed to preach to men. That's not to say, ladies, you won't resonate. But if you're with a man, I'm going to be yelling at him this morning. Come on, somebody. I love, I love to push you to chase after the Lord. I didn't come here to play patty cake and tell you you're good. Amen. Some people are clapping. Some people are like, for real, Pastor Rich? Come on, doc. I came here today specifically with an assignment to push you out of your comfort zone, specifically to challenge you to stop living lazy Christian life, specifically to tell you that it is your duty, your mission, your job to tell the people in your life about the one who gave you life. So, for all of you in here today who love to be a Christian on Sunday, I don't even have to finish that sentence. Y'all knew what I was about to say. But don't live like a Christian on Monday or Thursday or Friday or certainly not Saturday night. I'm talking to you. I'm talking about living a life of congruence, of integrity, one that says, I know Jesus and I'm desperate for you to know him too. I've been changed by the power of the gospel and you need to be changed too. For I am unashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation for all men. I'm preaching to you today to commission you to do something about your faith. And thankfully for me, I don't have to do it alone because this part of the book of Acts that y'all have been studying Paul provides the model for personal evangelism that we get to follow very easily so that we can walk this out like Paul walked this out. I want you to see three things today. Number one, Paul is going to preach, even though it's not exactly the best time to preach. And he does three things in order to accomplish a word that will take root. First thing he does is he reads the room. He connects to people at their level. Second thing he does is he explains the encounter with Jesus. He talks about the very moment he met the Lord. And then the third thing he does is he, he moves to the mission. He tells people what God has called him to do and explains that he submitted to that. And I'm going to push you today to start reading into this text about how you might follow the same model, how you might think about the people God's called you to, how you might connect to them on their level, how you might relate to them, not be so high and lofty and heavenly minded that you're no earthly good, but you might meet them and talk to them and be real. That you might think about the moment that Jesus met you, said something to you, embraced you, held you, changed you, saved you, delivered you, healed you, and brought you out. That you might have words to explain that to somebody, and that you might also tell them, but it wasn't a one-time encounter for me. I'm living a life with Jesus at the head. Amen. Y'all ready? Anybody want to check out? Because it's going to get real. Amen. I, I, that's all I need. Paul's in a bad situation. To pick up this text, he's been arrested. He was in the temple. He was accused by the mob of being a subversive. 
of desecrating the temple. In fact, they thought that he was in the temple with other Gentiles worshiping, which would have been a violation of Judaic law, which would have meant that he was subject to death. And so the mob had risen up against him under false pretenses, and they wanted to kill him. The Bible tells us that the Roman soldiers came to arrest him, not because they had thought anything was going wrong, but because they're charged with keeping the peace in their prelate. Amen. And once they saw the Jewish people freaking out, they needed to quell it. So they arrest Paul. And so here's Paul in chains, walking through the streets to jail, surrounded by a bunch of people whom he used to be of, who now are assigned and appointed and committed to destroying him. That's a pretty bad spot. You've been in some unlikely bad places, amen? Y'all ever have like a bad day? Amen? Raise your hand, bad day. You ever have a bad week? Anybody have had like a whole month of March that was just plain terrible? Paul is in a, he's in a bad way. And, and he's in chains. And he's going to jail. And it's a very unproductive, dangerous, wrong time, wrong place sort of situation for Paul. And though he's bound in his body, his tongue is free. And though it doesn't look like the right time to preach, Paul's like, I can't really think of a better time to preach. <laughs> Paul is in a situation where most of us would give up. You've been in a place like this where you've been bound, bound in your mind, bound in your body, bound in your job, bound in your relationships, stuck in a situation you just don't feel like you can get out. You're not even sure if it's going to end or what. You're just like, I just quit. I'm done. Paul's there. He's bound in chains, and according to the way the Roman soldiers would have bound somebody on the way to the barracks, is he's bound at the wrist and bound at the feet so that his steps are short, but the wrist and the feet are connected, and not like you've seen on TV where they shuffle down the hall. No, that chain is short. It's meant to pull him down. So Paul is walking like this. He's hunched over in front of a bunch of people. And you and I might have given up, but Paul is like, I just feel like, I feel like I got an anointing on me. I'm about ready to deliver the word right now. And he looks up at the guard. And in Greek, he says to the guard, can I, can I talk to you? And the Greek says, wait, I thought you were the Egyptian who started the uprising. Totally didn't know who Paul was. Didn't really care. Just came here to quell the situation. And, and Paul says, no, I'm I feel like a hunchback. No. I'm not Egyptian. I'm a Jew like them. I, I was born in Tarsus. I'm a Roman citizen like you are. This, this guard who's serving the Roman kingdom has just arrested a Roman citizen. It's kind of a big deal for him. And he says, can I, can I talk to them? And the guard's like, I might even lose my job. You can say whatever you want, doc. And Paul looks to the faces of the people whom he once taught. Remember, he was a Pharisee of Pharisees and a teacher, a teacher, a rabbi of rabbis. He was zealous for the law. He trained under one of the greatest rabbis that lived in this time. He knew the word better than they knew the word. And he looks at them, once one of their leaders, now one of those whom they persecute. And he says to them, brothers and fathers, but he doesn't speak in Greek. He speaks in Aramaic, the Hebrew dialect of the day, the same language that Jesus spoke. It is like if I were to walk into this room and use perfect South Florida slang for you. 
And you'd be like, he might look like he's from Denver, but he sound like us. He speaks to them and he says, brothers and fathers, notice what Paul is doing in this moment. Even though he's in a situation that is tough for him, he is continually thinking how he might get out of the situation, not for his own rescue, but that he might connect to those who actually need rescuing. Aussie, you missed it for a second. Don't miss this part. He's the one in chains, but he doesn't see the jailer or the accusers as his persecutors. He sees them as the prisoners, for he knows that though my body may be bound, my soul is still free, my tongue is free. For whom the Son sets free is free. Come on and preach with me today. He says, brothers, fathers, moment he connects to them in their language a hush falls over the crowd he's got their full attention where once one minute ago it was all chaos kill him off with his head away with him now the crowd is enraptured because a man has just come upon whom there is power and he's speaking to them like he's one of them. Paul's reading the room, friends. One of the challenges most of us have about sharing the gospel is when we truly get saved and we truly get sanctified, we're in the process of becoming churchy, we get too churchy. Amen. We use churchy words. We say things like, brother, you need to be justified. A power to the core, Holy Ghost that falls upon you. And people in the club are like, what are you talking about, bro? You need to be sanctified and filled with the Holy Spirit. How about this one? You need the blood of Jesus on you. Say that to a non-Christian. I don't want blood on me. Ugh. Sometimes we get fooled into becoming so holy that when we're around unholy, we can't connect. And Paul is unwilling to miss the opportunity to connect. He reads the room and starts talking to them just as they are. Frankly, what he does as he tells them his testimony. He connects to them by telling them who he was pre-Jesus. And I want to push you today to think about your testimony. Each one of you in this room has a testimony, or better yet, is still going through your testimony. Amen. And the Bible says we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our... Say it loud, our testimony. The Bible says one of the ways that we overcome and help each other to overcome, overcome is to tell each other our stories, to say, I once was a wretch undone, and then I met this Jesus. And so Paul begins to tell this story. And here's the best part. He tells this story here in Acts 22, but he also tells it in Acts 26 and 1 Corinthians 9 and 1 Corinthians 15 and 2 Corinthians 12 and Galatians 1 and Philippians 3. Paul is always telling his story. Paul's not afraid of this story. In fact, Paul thinks this story is the best story. He's like, you guys, check it out. I was a total loser. Ooh. I mean, I thought I had it all together, but I, I didn't. And then I met Jesus. And he broke it all down and put me back together. And this is what I want to push you today because I'm telling you right now, if you are not the kind of Christian who is sharing your faith, I'm preaching to the men. Ready? I question your faith. 
if you are unwilling to tell people about the God who saved you, I wonder if you know him. Here's why. If he really changed you, if he's really transformed you, if he's actually healed you, set you free and delivered you from drugs, addiction, pain, fear, worry, anger, whatever it may be, if he's healed you, you should be telling people about it. Better yet, I might flip it and say this, if he's done it for you, why aren't you telling us about it? How could you be so cold and callous to know people who don't know him and you know him and you won't introduce them to him? How could you do that, especially to your family and the people that you work with? When they say to you, go to church, they're asking, is there hope? Is there salvation? The answer is yes. His name is Jesus. I know him. You should know him. And Paul tells this story all the time. In fact, old Paul would have been right at home amongst this group of people. And he's like, I'm just like you guys. In fact, verse 4, it says, I, I used to be the one to put these chains on. I used to persecute followers of the way and wrap them in bondage and send them to jail. And you guys, look, I'm in bondage and I'm going to jail because I'm following the way that should cause you to ask the question, what's the way all about? Your testimony has to include the details of your past. Don't be one of these Christians who once you get saved, you just gloss over the old stuff. What's it like to be a Christian? Pretty good. I mostly had it all together. I met Jesus, still got it all together. Whoop, I don't know anybody like that. I'm not like that. And if that's your testimony, you can't help me. You can't do me no good. Because I got a real story. And when I read this Bible, I feel, I feel like every character in this Bible, save for Jesus, has a real story. This book is full of a bunch of misfits and outcasts and rejects and poor decision makers. And this is the stuff that helps me. And when people meet you and they know that you know Jesus and they ask you, I don't understand how did it happen. You've got to tell them how dirty the life was before, how painful it was, what caused you to go to him. You said, Pastor, you don't know what I deal with. I know. You said, Pastor, I got some things that I'm not, I'd rather not share. I know. Me, me too. I got those things too. I, I, was a, I was a drug addict for 15 years. My addiction cost me my first marriage, a house, a car, kids, everything. I was a crystal meth addict. Amen. I wasn't like a glorious drug addict. I was like a full-on junkie. I was arrested 11 times one year. I'd done I know, everything. Whoa, hey. One time I, I got arrested. I was at the Jefferson County Jail. You don't know that place, but I, I do. Well, and, um, and I walked in, and the booking lady, her name's Judy. And you know you're a dirtbag when you know the lady's name in jail. She said, CB, what are you doing here? And I was like, you know me. She just laughed. Like, what? I was messed up. There was a moment, the very end of my addiction, where I made my plan to end it all. I had some plans. And I looked around at my life, and I realized that it wasn't ever going to get better, and I was as bad as it going to get, and I'm done. And the white hot light of the Lord showed up in my life just as it did for Paul. <laughs> Amen. And I love to tell that story where it's appropriate. I love to tell people, if you're here in this room and you think you're disqualified from God, if you feel like you've done so many bad things, there's no way they'll let you into heaven. If you think you're the worst one in this room, I got news for you. I win. I win. I win. I'm the worst one. 
I have done things that you, that you would run from. If you knew all of the details, you would wonder, who is this king of glory that would love a man like that? And if you're here today and you think you're the worst one, I came here today to tell you, not only are you not, but even if you are, your bad is still not worse than God's good. Amen. Amen. And Paul talks to this crowd and he says, I was just like you guys. He's relating. And later on in the text, he also talks about how he was the worst of sinners. And he says, but let me tell you how things changed for me. He reads the room and connects with them on their level, talking about what they have in common. That's the first part of his testimony. And then he transitions right in verse 6 to talk about the moment he met Jesus. I want you to see this. He says, as I was on my way and drew near to Damascus about noon, a great light fell upon me. And this is his conversion story, the story he loves to tell the most. And his conversion story includes three things that you have to write down today because you have to share this with people when they hear about your Jesus. So if you're taking notes, get out your pen. If you're on your phone, Swipe out of Instagram and start taking notes. I'm at the 10. I know who y'all are. Come on now. I'm on the, never mind. I get more follows during the 10 a.m. The 9 a.m. doesn't follow, but I'll get about 35 of y'all right here. Anyway, he says, I was on a way. I was going to kill Christians. And Jesus showed up. See, I want you to understand the importance about this conversation because Paul does not say, I went looking for Jesus. Oh, my goodness, if I could just do this for an hour. He does not say, I chose Jesus. I tried it all out. I did the research. I went looking for what would work for me. He does not find Jesus. Jesus finds him. Ask somebody who doesn't know Jesus, have you found Jesus? And they'll say, I didn't know I was supposed to be looking for him. Because you're not. Because Jesus is the one who seeks us out and saves the lost. Paul says, it was while I was doing my dirty dog things that Jesus showed up. And here's the best part. Three things. You ready? Jesus showed up not to judge me, not to punish me, not to be angry, not to fill me with wrath. <laughs> but he just, came, he just came to love me. He just, I was, I was, I was there to kill people, and Jesus said, all right, he said, Jesus just, he just showed up, and he said, hey, Paul, it's me, Jesus. what an encounter with Jesus looks like. It's not you are unworthy and I am here to judge you. No, Jesus' first encounter is always an embrace. That's the beautiful nature of our God above all the false gods that are worshipped and the idols that are placed in every religious system that says you gotta get right and then you can meet God. Our God says you can't get right so I came to meet you. That's the beauty of the gospel. Jesus shows up, and he says, Paul, it's me, Jesus. And Paul, like you or I, would have been like, oh, boy. 
And he says, what? What do you want from me? And that is exactly what Jesus is looking to hear. Jesus shows up first in love. And then Paul asks, what do you want with me? And then Jesus speaks truth. See it. Don't miss it. Paul says, what do you want with me? Verse 10, the Lord said, rise and go into Damascus. I'll fill you in later. Every encounter with Jesus includes the embrace of Jesus, the love of Jesus, the tender heart of Jesus, his mercy. And it's immediately followed by his wisdom, his guidance, his truth. Please hear me very clearly. You are not meeting the God of the Bible, the Jesus who died on the cross, if you just have one or the other. The God that we serve is both truth and love, spirit and word. He embraces you just as you are and then speaks into you so you become who you're called to be. You cannot have a faith in a God who says, I love you, stay broken. Amen. He says, I love you. You ready for me to fix you? Amen. That's the God of the Bible. And some of us swing on the other side of the pendulum. We're all word and we're like, God's mean and he's mean and he's mean. Have you ever been to one of those churches before? No, thank God. Some of y'all haven't. I've been into a few churches like that. Yeah, I'm not sure. I don't know. Uh, thank you. You know what I mean? Some of them, they, it, it's, it's all word, all guidance, all truth, all conviction without embrace. But you need both. Love and truth. And then the third part, and you have to see this part because you can't miss this because no conversion story is complete without the number three. And that's this. He says, Jesus says, go into Damascus. And so I did. Amen. And verse 12, and one Ananias, a devout man, a Jew, one of the law, respected by other Jews, came along with me. Here's the beauty of the gospel of Jesus Christ, is that it is not a Western religion that is predicated on your own effort. This is not a pull yourself up by your bootstraps, do this thing all by yourself. No, our faith is an Eastern faith, a communal faith, and it states that we are called to be the church, which is not singular, and certainly not just this beautiful building. It's the us. The Bible says he met Jesus first through Jesus' love, second through Jesus' word, and third through Jesus' people. Hear me today. If you think that you can follow Jesus and be a lone wolf, you are wrong. There is no such thing as being a friend of Jesus with no new friends. Amen. The only way we follow Jesus is together. Read Acts. You were in it. The first two chapters talk about the collective. There's an entire part about the fellowship of believers, how everything, everyone had everything in common, how they shared, dedicated themselves to the word of the apostles, to the breaking of bread, to the giving, to the growing, to the loving, to the thriving. We are called to be in community and covenant together. Amen. Here's the good news. You're here. You're meeting Jesus, you're hearing the truth about Jesus, and you're together. Don't come to church and just sit in your seat and meet nobody. You better meet somebody today. I saw a post the other day on social media, and she said, attention pastors, we introverts do not want to high-five our neighbor. 
And I said, don't worry, boo, we know that. That's why we're having you high-five your neighbor, because you can't come and sit in your seat and leave and expect to be changed. Ready? God chose you to help me grow. He put me in the seat next to you. I don't know you. High five. God's got something for this meeting. The community is valuable, important. And I'm going to tell you right now, there's somebody on your row who you haven't met whom God wants you to meet so they can pour into you what you do not yet have. Y'all with me? The encountering clubs includes the love of Jesus, the truth of Jesus, and the community of Jesus. And Paul is sharing that with the people in chains. He's saying, this is why I'm in chains. Because he loved me and he's closer than a brother. Because he's told me the truth that I never heard before. Because he sent people to me to love me, to hold me accountable. And I'm seeing fruit in my life I never saw just through the law, just through the tradition, just through the religion. I'm seeing something change in me and I'm willing to be in chains and tell you about him. Because you need this too. You may not have chains, but you are chained and you don't see it. The end of this speech, it fast forwards, fast forward 20 years. He jumps into the story and he says, just so you know, friends in Jerusalem who have come here to persecute me. I came here first. I wanted to preach this gospel to you. I love you. I wanted to start my personal evangelism with my family. But when I was in the temple one day, I saw in a trance Jesus again. And he said I was supposed to go somewhere else. And I labored with him. Paul says I argued with him. You know, these people would know that in every synagogue I went to, I persecuted Christians and and it brought them under the subjection of the law. They'll know that, Jesus. I want to tell them about you. I'm called to them. You know that, Jesus. And Jesus said no. You're called somewhere else. And he said, wait, no, when, when Stephen was martyred, I was there. Don't forget, I was the one holding the garments. I greenlit his murder. I know these people. I'm called. I want to do it my way, Jesus. I want to serve you the way I want to serve you. I have a mission, and I want you to just sign up and be with me. And Jesus said no. And Paul tells that part of the story to say my relationship with Jesus wasn't a one-time occurrence. I didn't get saved just on the road to Damascus. The road to Damascus was the beginning of my road to eternal life. Here's what you need to know. Walking with Jesus, it's not a one-time thing. It's an all-the-time thing. And meet anybody who loves Jesus and have walked with him long enough, they can tell you his mercy and his goodness follow them all the days of their life. They know that every day there is new hope and new joy. They know that every day there's a, a deeper conviction and a stronger pulling. They're learning. They're never done. Sanctification is an ongoing practice. And Paul is writing to them to say, I, I had plans, y'all. I had plans, y'all. I had plans. And then I met Jesus, and he has better plans. And his plans, those are my plans. We miss this part when we tell our, our Jesus story. Some of you are afraid to tell the dirty parts of your past. Some of you have yet not developed the language to talk about the, the encounter. And others aren't even yet living this third part, this commitment to submission and mission. And so when someone says, what's it like to be a Jesus follower? You're like, well, no different, really. It should be different. 
should be completely different. And so I, I'm going to hit the room all the way across with three things. Number one, you're here. And you're disqualified. You've lived the kind of life that there is no way that the God in heaven would love you. Or, or you know Jesus. You're here. But you haven't been telling nobody about Jesus. Your faith is lazy. Your mouth is shut. No one even knows you go to church. Or you're here. You love Jesus, come to church, tell people about church, but you bear no fruit. You look no different. Your Friday is the same as it's always been, but Sunday you play the game real well. You're here? Did I get you? This message is for you. Paul was in a bad situation. And he thought it was the perfect time to tell people about Jesus. The time is now. The time for you to say yes to Jesus, to walk out of your past, it's now. It's not tomorrow. There's no better situation. You said, no, I'm in a bad situation. No, it's right now. The time to get serious about God and start telling people, start evangelizing, start telling your family, your coworkers about it. It's now the time for you to be changed by the gospel. It's right now. You cannot wait until tomorrow, for tomorrow may not come. And I came here today to push you, to poke you right in your chest, and apparently to spit all over the front of the church. Sorry. I'm here today to push you to get out of your Christian comfort zone and to become a Christ follower of the way, willing to be persecuted, willing to be called out, willing to tell the world about it. Would you bow your heads all over the room? If I hit you and one of those is you, Every head is bowed and every eye is closed. I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm not going to actually pray a prayer. I'm just going to ask you to look up at me. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus yet, would you look up at me? If today is the day you want to say yes to Jesus for the very first time, yes, I see you. Every other head is bowed, I see you. But just you looking up, I see you. I'm going to come through the whole room. I see you, I see you. back. I see you. Every other head is bowed. I, I see you. All of these are saying yes to Jesus. I see you. 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 And you. I see you. bow your heads if you're here today and you know Jesus but you ain't been telling nobody about Jesus and you felt that conviction today to go public with your faith and you're ready to be commissioned would you look at me now I see you 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 and you you and you and you and you and you and you there's too many of you I I can't look at all of you, but I see you. I see you, every one of you, ready to receive the commission to go boldly before the world and to tell them about the Jesus that we know. That's you and you and you. All over the room, 
So many of you recognize that there no longer can be a time in your life when you're silent about your faith. These people are dying to meet the Jesus who's brought you life. And if you're here, every other head bowed, and you're a Christian in word, but not deed. And this is the one that's going to be a little hard. So I'm going to ask everybody to respect you. With every head bowed and every eyes closed, if you've been faking the funk of the Christian faith, you play the game, but it ain't really real. If that's you, would you look at me now? say it like you mean it, Heavenly Father. I want to get serious right now. I'm done playing the game. You take the lead. I surrender. Amen. Come on, Light Point Church. Let's give it up for Jesus. Hang on for a second. Why don't you stand to your feet real quick? I'm so thankful for this man's testimony, his life, and what Jesus did, and what Jesus is doing, and what Jesus is going to do through him. We love these guys. You know, we love you. love your family. love what you're doing right in Denver. And I know we're going to be praying for them, right? How many of you will commit to pray as the Lord brings to memory for their church, for their ministry right there? It's amazing. Listen, I was telling the, the last church, uh, the last service that... I say it often, but it's, it's so good to be reminded. Like, the Apostle Paul's not coming back. He's, he's, he's gone, right? God didn't pick him or Simon Peter or Bartholomew or Cornelius or anybody else to minister, to stand and deliver the word. You know who he picked? <laughs> you. You. Open your mouth. Stand and deliver. Thank you, Pastor, for sharing with us today. Love you, bro. Love you. So exciting, oh, man. We got, a, we got a lot of work to do in Homestead. You know Homestead needs Jesus, right? Come on. You know it. You know it. That's you. That's your call. That's your mission. We always pray our benediction here. Psalm nineteen fourteen. but just don't let the words just fall out of your mouth because you've said it a hundred times here. Let's really pray this together and let it be, all right? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Love you, Light Point. We'll see you soon.